Welcome to the Event Room, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. How's it going, all of our event brewers out there into the interwebs and the virtual world? This right here is Will Curran from Endless Events. This is Nick Burley from Burley Strategies. This is Dustin Westling with One West Events in Canada. And welcome back to another episode of Event Brew. Uh, Tui is currently busy in meetings right now, keeping super busy. So we're br- proud of her and excited for all the stuff she's got going on. But we still got to record. We got to get this content out to you guys. And we want to talk about an article that we recently stumbled upon this week. And we thought it was appropriate for us to kind of uh, give our op-ed on this op-ed. Nick, do you want to talk a little bit about the – whoa, wait, wait. I got really ex- – I just like blew past the drinks. So This is what I do. Oh, my gosh. When, when I have to take charge, I forget the drinks immediately. Exactly, exactly. So so what, what do we got in our cups? What are we drinking today? Anything new cups. and exciting? Cups. So fancy. Now, what do you have in your can, Nick? <laughs> yeah, that's it. I've really – like I bought uh, four different flavors of this uh, AHA flavored water with some caffeine in it. This is the blueberry pomegranate one. Uh, Flavor I'm caffeine that. water, like aka an energy drink? You know, it's only got 30 milligrams, so it's like a, you know, a third of a cup of coffee. So it's, it's just, it's just a little bit there. So, um, once I come down from my, uh, earlier today was a coffee and then a monster rehab, I, I need something to, you know, not hit the ground too hard. And, uh, I sound like a drug addict, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's very blueberry. I, I think there's probably people out there that your... drink coffee who probably compare themselves to drug addicts as well. So I think you're okay. Totally. I, it's it's like cute when you do it with with uh, coffee, you know, and like there's like uh, Kathy esque cartoons dedicated to that. And then meanwhile, when you when you have like uh, this disgustingly logoed monster drinks um, that look like something that, out of a fever dream of an ICP fan, then you get you know the the scorn. But uh, yeah, anyways, uh, jittery and uh, blueberry. You're looking kind of blueberry too, so. Yeah, you dressed <laughs> for your drink today. You're wearing <laughs> yeah, purple. yeah. Hey, Nick's yeah. wearing a blue like hoodie, by the way, uh, or not blue, but p- purple hoodie. But it's kind of in the right light; it might look blue. So, <laughs> yeah, I went to Willy Wonka's, and this is all I got. About. <laughs> it's like a bumper sticker right there. Dustin, what do you got in your yeah. cup? Uh, well, I just finished my uh, Skinny Girl Half Calf Keurig. <clears throat> uh, nice. Call us for sponsorship opportunities. And now who I'm, says this is a mantle? I know this is great. Thanks for that. <laughs> Skinny girls here too. That's the uh, that's the blueberry comment coming back to bite us. Yeah. Um, and now I'm drinking my wonderful Canadian tap water, which I'm really enjoying this morning. Excelente. Yeah. From the mountains of Canada. From the mountains of Canada. The many mountains of Canada. Uh, I'm drinking a chai latte from a local coffee shop I never tried before. I was supporting some small businesses this morning called uh, Dapper and Stout. 
Um, and it's a I like the logo co- coffee company, but like when it says stout, and I also want to like get a stout beer from them. But yeah, no, it was pretty. It was pretty good, and had breakfast from them too. So, yeah, super, uh, super duper cool. Go support your small businesses and order. Did some you Uber get Eats. that while wearing a mask, or was that Uber Eats? Uber Eats, yeah, Uber Eats. I haven't. Uh, actually, I actually went for a walk around my neighborhood last night, but that was the first time I left my apartment in like three weeks. Oh jeez. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mainly because I've been working a lot. Yeah, but. that's the same deal with me. Like, I'm working more now than normal. Uh, so I, uh, and, but yet I'm, I'm going out for like a walk every day, and that's uh, it's weird because like that's for everybody else in the family to like get out because they're used to moving around more, and I'm used to like not. So this is uh, this is actually more active, uh, more outside, uh, and uh, just as much everything else for me. So who knows? The benefits of a crisis. Well, speaking of crisis, let's get into the topic of today that I kind of teased out at the beginning. We read an article um, and we wanted to do an op-ed on an op-ed. So, Nick, explain this article that we have stumbled upon today. Yeah, well, I... uh... I don't really stumble upon it because I'm generally um, I'm pretty avid reader of the opinion stuff specifically. I mean, I, I pretty much I really enjoy BizBash in general, uh, but uh, Adler's uh, like from the desk of and his op-ed stuff is really good because it's it's a unique perspective. Like I don't know how much everyone knows about David Adler, but he he comes at it from a different angle. Um, he is uh, you know very much. Uh, a tried and true journalist. And um, I just think that he has a, a clarity oftentimes in how he sees things that is um, well thought out. And, you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom and binary zero sum thinking I'm seeing a lot of like, well, when things are back to normal or, um, you know, things are never going to be the same or all this stuff that seems like really fatalistic. When I saw this uh, idea around um, the hub and spoke method for conferences, I was like, that is a reasoned step, I think, between where we're at now and and where things were. And is it the step that you know becomes really popular uh, and replaces where things were? No idea. It's not worth, I think, forecasting that far out. But it seems like a real measured and creative response to uh, a, a marketplace that is disrupted and a marketplace that is unsure. Um, and I just, I just thought it was really thoroughly thought out. Um, well, explain what the, what the, what it, what this hub and spoke model is before anyone who doesn't yeah. know what quite what you're talking about. Absolutely. So the idea is that there's almost a kind of, uh, an event that now David is saying like a hundred people or less. I think that that's, you know, it's variable, but, uh, an event that is not a huge conference and yet, the set design and uh, and focal area of it would be, you know, the uh, equivalent of a major conference with the spokes, that being the hub uh, where things are broadcast out and the spokes being um, <clears throat> unlike a virtual event, you know, people's homes, uh, the spokes would be micro events where people would still gather face to face and have all the benefits of face to face, the trust building, the uh, senses engaged, etc., food, you know, all that. Uh, but in you know in smaller areas and and potentially you know global, it, it would be no probably different to do it you know down the street uh, as it would be to a continent away. Um, and I just thought, you know, geez, like the events, like I'm working on events right now that are in you know between five and ten thousand people. Uh, I think most of them are between in that in that realm, and those ones are going to get hit the hardest um, simply because. Um, 
it's going to take more effort to get into a plane um, and travel a distance and meet people from an international or national uh, scene uh, and want to gather in a huge room full of people with uh, what I believe is actual habits that have been formed over this long period of time. And, you know, people, are, I, I think there's going to be a reaction that people are going to want to go back to things as normal, especially Americans, because that's just how Americans are built uh, to the the bad numbers that we're seeing. Uh, but I still think there's going to be uh, a large segments of audiences that, um, are going to gravitate towards wanting to be in smaller groups. And then there's the other element of it, um, which I've seen a lot more talk about, which is community and local communities really um, being emphasized a lot more. Buying local, eating local, being with locals. Uh, you know, people are talking to their neighbors more. Like there's just a lot of like localization that may come out of this. And I could imagine that these spokes would be um, some equivalent of that. So that's basically what it was about. And uh, I don't know. I think it's, it's a cool model. I definitely like it too. The idea like of instead of doing a one 5,000 person event, let's do 510 person events. I mean, this isn't new in any sort of way. If you think about it, almost like nope. the Super Bowl is an, is an example of this that, you know, there's not there. Yeah. There's a big event where the, all the people join to go watch the game in person, but then there's millions of people coming together in small groups of you know, five to ten to watch the Super Bowl. And um, I think that's really, really that's interesting. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. I think what's great about this is it allows every area to accommodate the restrictions in their area. As we go through this, the restrictions are going to oh, be that's different from place to place. So the hmm. state of New York is going to likely have a different restriction on the number of people that can gather than um, some of the other less hard hit states. And then even hmm. when you go country to country, there's going to be countries that will be further along recovery um, than we will be in North America. And this allows them to put together a program that fits the restrictions that are in their area. So it's, it's really quite brilliant. Do you think that I think the the other method too? Uh, I think that like there was immediately following uh, the North American um, first actions of dealing with this. There was restrictions on people who were uh, from China to attend their events, mm. uh, and then and then borders started talking about closing and things like that. So I think that like the idea of international travel um, being curtailed um, and also having stigmatized might. Uh, this might get around that as well in order mm -hmm. to actually have globalized messages, you know, still reach people globally. Mm -hmm. So how does this, Sorry, how does this different from, from um, a webinar? How does this different than just having people meet virtually, which is what we're seeing so much of right now? So Will, how would you design, like, I, I, I so when we, were, we were talking about this initially, the first thing I thought was control, delete, from 2016, mm -hmm. which didn't have a true hub, but the one you were in in Amsterdam was pretty close. And in Dustin, you experienced a spoke mm -hmm. in Calgary. Uh, I was in my office doing a session, uh, you know, or, you know, broadcasting a session. So I, I wasn't even in either one of them. So in my world, it was more webinar-like, but it's still pretty close. So, Will, what did you do for the hub part of it um, that made it different? Well, one thing is, I think that you definitely you create the opportunity to say it is the hub, I think is the first start um, by mm. us saying like Amsterdam was where it was going to like kind of be starting all from. It was very obvious that like that was the kickoff too, because like Dahlia and I basically were like, Hey, we're going to be here. Um, and this is going to be kind of the main zone. Um, 
I think that, you know, potentially as this continues to roll out with more remote speakers and things like that as well, there'll probably be a little bit less clear on where the 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 hubs actually are but like i can imagine too that maybe all the content comes from the hub and that's why where that ends up being why you end up having a hub versus a purely spoke model too because you know at some level too like as much as i love all this stuff and work that we're doing right now to create awesome remote presenting experiences so there's some presenters that honestly just need a helping hand that don't understand how to set up a webcam and a mic and everything like that as well. Totally. But, you know, if you put them on a, in a studio in front of a camera, they would have crushed it completely. And because they didn't have to worry about anything, they just gave their best performance possible. So that was just something I was, I'm thinking about um, as well. But what, what other things did we do? Um, I think, yeah, it was the biggest thing, honestly, though, is just that we advertised that, like, hey, if you wanted to travel and you wanted to come to Amsterdam, that's where the hub would be. But then, hey, just FYI, they're happening everywhere else, and you can even set up your own spoke if you want to as well. Yeah, I mean, you did it in a way that was a little bit more um, organic, I guess, and more open source, where, you know, you would help uh, organizers within the spoke cities to be able to produce um, an event taking advantage of this free content because uh, Control Delete was kind of a pivot, uh, an unofficial pivot uh, from an organizer falling apart uh, and a number of people who had you know presentations and ideas and energy that wanted to still utilize that to help the industry. Um, so it kind of like took that bend of it. But like my thought of of a true hub and spoke you know des- intentionally designed event would take somebody like Dustin who would then say, I'm going to design the hub, but I'm also going to have a role in designing the spokes, even if it's, I mean, it, and it could be so many different levels, collaboration, pure design, subcontract. I mean, there's, there's a lot of possibilities, brand integrity, you know, lots of different things. Does that, would that be a creative, like an endeavor for you that you would be, you know, kind of into? For me, from a design standpoint, yeah, yeah, yeah. from yeah, a design standpoint, totally, yeah. I think that, um, I think that, you know, we are going to see some of these new design challenges of multi locations and smaller groups, and how do we create that um, that consistent feel? How do we protect the brand? Um, because you know, um, you know, membership organizations are kind of hub and spoke, and <laughs> it's uh, good point. It's it's something that happens. Great all, point. It's something that happens all the time, right? So mm. there's, um, yeah. So there's there there's definitely a role to um, create that sort of brand loyalty, brand consistency. Um, when you are when you're not sitting in the hub, how do you get people to feel just as excited? Um, and I and I think there is ways. And Control Alt Delete was such an incredible example of that. And you know we were we were lucky enough to have such an incredible AV partner in Calgary that put together oh, yeah. our spoke, and they they built out their warehouse into this really wicked, um, this really wicked room. Um, we way more production with... than we had in the hub too. <laughs> yeah, the same. I remember FMAV now PSAV now Encore. Uh, I remember that. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I remember seeing that um, and being like, "Wow!" Like they really bought in. Like, and they got it. I think excited by the the difference of it enough. Um, but I think one of the things, like if like if I were a designer, um, I think like I would. You know, like it would be a lot of fun and an intellectual challenge to be able to like, let's protect the brand. Let's like this cohesive experience. But 
let's also allow for room for regionalization mm. um, with a collaborator and some level that can say, yeah, but this wouldn't work. Like, especially if it's over a big, a big distance. Yeah, that that wouldn't work for Australia or that wouldn't work for here or we're kind of like this. Mm-hmm. That would be really cool collaboration. Mm-hmm. One of the things that um, not to not to keep going on control alt delete, but one of the great things about the programming for control alt delete is that there was timed breaks in the program which allowed so i hosted the one in calgary and it allowed us to create discussion within the room that was a little bit more centric to our location so we can we can take the content cool. then break off the pros in the room can have a conversation about what does that mean for us in our city or our province or, or our country and um and i think the the conversations we were having um offline were 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 just as powerful as the um the group that was uh serving us on the screen so uh yeah i think that that what david adler's writing is like is i think it's it's been it's been done and it can be done and it he can, was on and it, that i mean and it can be done <laughs> yeah, well. true. true yeah I, yeah i think one interesting yeah. thing that he brings up that it's going to be important if people want to do this though is that it's the first bullet point it says virtual bridges connect venues and individuals and so like mm-hmm. I think that the one thing that we didn't do well at Control Delete that we could have done way better was that the only way that attendees could communicate with each other was through the chat functionality, I think, of my go to webinar account or whatever we were using. And yeah. there was, you know, maybe the way to DM people, but there was no way for you to have an individual experience. You were always a part of the group and then maybe part of the subgroup. There was no way to connect the individual to the larger group as a whole if that makes any sense at all unless you had yep. busted open your laptop and had the chat open which most people did most people just were watching and then just like hanging out um so that's one thing i think that will be really needed to be happened and honestly i think that the virtual event platforms are getting there and allowing you to have an individual experience as part of the whole but it's um you know i definitely think there's always a long way to go as well the virtual attendee needs an mc this is something that i've been thinking about <clears throat> more and more as the disconnect and I think they need to be engaged. Um, and I think they need to be like a, all the all the habits, like all, all of the recipe for success already exists on YouTube with streamers and, and, and uh, other streaming platforms like Twitch. Like taking the idea of the personality, the insider, talking to people directly, saying their names, like all of those things that, that are like thriving, like in, in absurd ways. Uh, in those environments, I think would be, you know, that's where you get your inspiration from. And I think of things like um, closed captioning, and I think of things like um, language for, you know, people who aren't speaking the language that, you know, or, you know, don't speak the language that the person is presenting in. I think that there's a lot of value to um, thinking empathetically like that in order to, um, you know, basically take what is a regional uh, opportunity and making it global uh, and more accommodating in a way that would potentially, I think, outstrip the amount of people who would even go to the large conference if you do it right. You know, it's one thing I thought about that's going to be complicated with this hub and spoke model is control delete was a hundred percent free event, right? Like mm-hmm. anyone yeah. could come and, you know, you just showed up um, for it. Um, what, the the tough thing I think is that how do you do access control with these small groups when like does that mean you need a representative who works for you at every single hub that is probably getting paid I'm guessing or like mm-hmm. something of that nature that can really can, control access 
gig economy, you know, I think that my thought would be maybe it's that, but like, I think better than that is that you have um, an organizer uh, at each, you know, place that basically wants to franchise or wants to take advantage of it. And they're your regional. Yeah, exactly that. PFE, you know, reap some of the ticket benefit, you know, be the local marketing arm of it mm-hmm. and basically have a package to sell that. So like when you're designing the hub, you're also designing these uh, and, and probably you're finding the influencers in these areas that are the right people mm-hmm. uh, and then also attracting other people and basically giving them a package. You know, here's your regional website um, in a box. Here's yeah. your messaging in a box, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, it happened so fast and so organically and with a bunch of people that know each other internationally in the example that we've been giving. But I think that you could you could templatize it. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I do think that... Um that a, you know, a fee. Um, so whoever the host is would, um, would pay a flat rate fee based on, you know, up to X amount of attendees. And then it's up to them to go and market it and, and put it together and fill the room and make some money off of it too. I think that you could potentially, you know, do it as a series, um, cons- you know, uh, and, and save some money, uh, by having, um, reoccurring costs, um, knowing that you're going to have them. Maybe it's a venue that's used three times in a year. Maybe it's a speaker that's used a couple times in a year, et cetera, in order to, um, you know, maybe cover your costs a little bit. Like I think of like the wizard world model where they, they have the same show in different cities uh, and they have all these celebrities and the celebrities get signed up for like a 10 city tour. And because of that buying power that allows them to, you know, get a better price and get more out of it, there's probably something there in this model, maybe, um, but it begets a series, I think, really easily, you know, because now that I'm thinking along the lines of what Dustin said, like, you're right, the association um, parent to chapter model is pretty wheel and or it, hub and spoke. Like there's a brand, there's a message. Um, it has the ability to, you know, then be communicated in regional ways that exists. And, and not often is the content distributed that way, granted, but other things are. Uh, and there is a leadership that exists on the local level, uh, but it's governed by the other. I mean, like there, there's there's a bit of a template there that I think would be um, interesting to mine. Hmm. Is there some, if, if, it, if I have a moment to say something about something that artists at Cole that kind of grinds my gears a little bit. <laughs> you take it. Um, I think it's a really great concept, but uh, I think that uh, I love David so much. And, uh, you know, talking to him, it just sometimes enlightens you with crazy ideas and get you really thinking but this article reminds me a lot of david because there's a lot of david in this article i will say totally Um, (laughs) it's very much an editorial and like not in necessarily a negative way but i think sometimes uh i think planners can sometimes see this and then they come to us as the people who can execute this and they say like yeah i read this article on bizbash about augmented reality like let's do that for our event and totally no i'm I'm seeing like spatial computing showing up and i'm like yeah yeah like activate sponsors with spatial computing to duplicate branding to all spokes at once for example example magic leap yeah, yeah no no one has magic leap people barely have vr headsets right now like yeah, exactly <laughs> I, I like the futurists you know like uh like I, I love talking to like uh like a jim spellos and and uh to some extent corbin right where like they're they're just like they're just so many steps ahead i mean not that i'm saying that they don't know what's going on right now they, they absolutely do but they're just so much more excited about the yeah, future yeah totally, that, totally. like I just like I'm in I'm in the muck with everybody else all the time going like, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, how to get people to like get their mic on for Zoom. <laughs> so your spatial, cons- you know, computing thing mute. is really you're on mute. You're on. <laughs> yeah, mute. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're double muted. It's no. a h- hardware mute, too. <laughs> 
Oh, clean your camera. So I mean, clean I, I'll yeah. There's a little bit here for everyone, and then there's a few nuggets here for the people that are you know in the in the utopia world. Yeah, um, totally. But yeah. the food and beverage part of it, like I, I think of like like there's certain elements of what we do. Um, that I think have been hit the hardest and will be hit the hardest longer. And, and to me, it's F&B and rentals. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have a strategy element that they can offer realistically for virtual events. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, like I've seen some people say like, a, you know, delivering and menu in a box. And I'm like, yeah, that's not mm-hmm. scalable. Well, no. I think the next camera, I'm just going to put this idea out there because someone just needs to take this idea. But someone out there needs to create the catering company that can manage and deliveries to multiple attendees in virtual right now. Like, mm-hmm. can who someone who could say like, okay, I'm going to find where all the attendees are. What's the common restaurants across all of them? Okay, there's a Popeyes chicken sandwich. Okay, so I'm going to talk to Popeyes, get them to deliver, and maybe work on gig economy to get them packaged to a better thing. I don't know, just someone who can manage the the mm-hmm. mass small orders all across the country. And I think there's companies out there willing to pay for it because mm-hmm. right now the best option you have is to ship a gift card to somebody and say, you know, have fun ordering Postmates. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could see a Postmates or an Uber Eats or something like that actually being the ones to do it yeah. uh, potentially because they already have, the you know, they already have the tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So like all they would have to do is <clears throat> find their, you know, national partners and be able to make some kind of you know, deal with them because they have the buying power to do that uh, and the infrastructure to make sure that it's a priority with delivery drivers ahead of time, right? So they could just make sure that this is something that happens uh, and incentivize the things to happen and, you know, in the right way. Um, but anyways, I, I like this because at the very least, um, the other people in the industry who I think offer vital contributions to gatherings uh, and, you uh, strategic uh, hospitality and, you know, uh, engaging senses, like they have a role. Uh, They have a role to play. And I think that there's probably a, um, there's probably a consulting, you can imagine someone like Dustin who would would likely be the one that would work directly with the client, design the hub and like the main kind of stage, uh, but also be a consulting collaborator at at the, the least, let's say, uh, with the spokes. But I could also imagine a catering version of that too. I could imagine a floral version of that. I could, I could imagine a rental version of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would really strengthen the proposition potentially of associations, networks, et cetera, because like, if you're the one potentially hiring all of the spoke people or knowing who what to expect from people, et cetera, the people with the best networks, which likely in our industry would be the association people, you know, pe- uh, active association people, they would be in a really great position. So I, I could see, you know, the people who you know have a history of of being nationally networked really taking off with mm-hmm. something like this, internationally networked necessarily. I guess I can say that. I definitely agree. I agree. What other um, th- thoughts related to Sardar Cole do you guys have um, before maybe we? Uh... Put this one to uh, out to the hub and spoke world. And there's a deploy tools such as emotional uh, uh, recognition technology for speakers and organizers to read the room. That's that's a lot. I mean, I, I've used. If you have ten people in the room, like <laughs> the data is really yeah. Good? And then also imagine real time data to assess. Um, what do you call it? Uh, micro expressions in order to gauge sentiment, in order to tell the uh, the speaker that in real time, and, and a dashboard that wouldn't be um, confused. I mean, it, it, look, all that technology exists. 
I think um, better would be an MC. Um, Mm-hmm. Better would be a host, obviously. Uh, you know, uh, the, the speaker and the host all being in the same room for the hub, like that's the kind of what makes that special. But if they weren't there, um, I think that uh, I, I agree. As someone who does a lot of webinars, I hate doing webinars. I mean, <laughs> I love talking. <laughs> I like, I like, I'm passionate about what I know, and I want to help people. So like, I get over it. But man, do I hate looking at a wall. So I get it. Like that is a real deficit as a speaker and a webinar um, versus a speaker in face to face. So there's something there. But uh, I think the hub done right actually gives you that that energy, similar to how like um, TV studios have an audience oftentimes for live uh, segments because the people feed off of even a, a small audience is enough to give you the energy to um, you know, be a human being and 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 talk like a human being versus someone just dictating content. I agree. I agree. I think one of the most important things too is like the last bullet point of the hard truths that we may have to just to justify this approach, and that is that I think this is a good way to kind of wrap it up is that fear will determine the attendee mm-hmm. participation. Yep. I mean, that's the thing, the uncertainty that we have right now is how are attendees going to react? What is the fear going to look like? But I think that compared to, like you said, of everything going back to normal and us just returning and everything goes full speed, that there does need to be some sort of stages that this is going to go back to. And I feel the fear is what's going to determine those stages. Moving I forward. keep I, I keep hearing this um, this exact comment about the fear in people. And I think there's another side to this, too. I think that a lot of big corporations are going to be very very conservative about where they let their employees gather about what kind of gatherings they put together and i've i've talked to a few of our our bigger corporate clients that are saying that the word is that whatever whatever the capacity restrictions are they're going to go half they're going to go less Um, and they're going to err on the side of caution because there's no corporation in the world right now that wants to put their their employees their stakeholders um their their customers in a room that could potentially create another spike or another outbreak so i think i think there's going to be fear in people there's going to be fear in um in corporations and the way that they handle their employees um so yeah i think there's i think there's a lot of layers to this and we're we're still a long ways away from being able to deploy a hub and spoke anything that is not from our homes um that being in mind now i have to say it's april 10th today because <laughs> oh, yeah that's right made a reference to timing um so so yeah i think i think this is uh fear is going to be a big part of this and it's 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 fear from all sides definitely definitely should i take us home let's do yeah it. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in uh, to Event Brew. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed this conversation. We'd love to know from you. Um, All of you guys have been starting to email us more and more, and we really appreciate it because it makes us feel a little bit more at home with you all while you're listening with us. So um, we'd love to know. Um, what do you think about the hub and spoke model? Have you ever seen it successfully done? Um, do you think that this is the next step that events are going to move towards? Shoot us an email, eventbrew at helloendless.com. Again, eventbrew at helloendless.com. Shoot us an email or tag us on social media if you'd like, but we'd love to hear from you. Even if you don't have a thoughts on the topic that we discussed, if you just want to say hi, send us an email and say hi, and we will give you a shout. Well, I think we should get out of here, Dustin. All right. Everyone have a great day. We'll see you guys all next time on Event Bye, everybody. Wash your hands. Bye. Bye.
thanks again for listening to Event Proof. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. See you next time on Event Brew.